Welcome to The View from Apollo, a podcast where we discuss current macroeconomic trends and break down how they'll impact our investors. I'm your host, Torsten Slock. I'm Chief Economist here at Apollo Global Management. Each episode, I'll be joined by leaders from across our business who will share their unique perspective on the market factors that are shaping sectors and investment strategies. You can catch new episodes by subscribing to The View from Apollo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by visiting our homepage, apollo.com. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of The View from Apollo. My name is Torsten Slock, and I'm the Chief Economist here. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Dave Stanges, Apollo's first Chief Sustainability Officer. Thanks for joining us, Dave. Thanks for having me, Torsten. Looking forward to it. So you joined Apollo in October of last year as a partner and Chief Sustainability Officer. Can you maybe please introduce yourself to our listeners and describe your role at the firm, as well as a little bit about your background before you joined Apollo? Sure. It's... um I, as you mentioned, it's been about six months since I joined um, as Apollo's first chief sustainability officer. Before I came here, I started and set up a couple programs, one at Campbell Soup Company uh, for a little over a decade before I showed up here. And I started this effort a long time ago, um, created and built the first sustainability ESG program at Intel Corporation. This was close to 20 plus years ago, early days of reporting and investor engagement. But um, working in those two sectors really gave me a lot of great operational experience that I hope to really bring to bear at Apollo. In between Campbell, I spent a little bit of time um, consulting with a lot of large issuers, big public companies. That's most of my experience. But I also advise students and colleges. I do a little teaching on the side at Villanova outside of uh, Philadelphia, and um, really just try to bring all of that perspective here uh, to Apollo. My, my role here is, think about it as sitting inside the center of the sustainability office, but leveraging a lot of the great work that is happening in programs like citizenship and impact. Um, we'll talk a little bit about, I'm sure, the sustainable investing platform a little bit later, Um, but diversity, equity, inclusion, um, expanding opportunities, and building some additional rigor and strength inside the company around diligence, data, uh, engagement, stewardship, and reporting. That's really what I've been brought on to do, and we've brought some great people along as well, and I'll talk a little bit about that later as well. Yeah, and I know you've been very busy, and you just mentioned the sustainability platform. I mean, in late February... Apollo announced the launch of the sustainability platform. Maybe can you tell us about that and how it fits into Apollo's broader sustainability framework? Sure, Torsten. As as clearly as we're trying to build a stronger set of practices and management system inside the company, we're also looking at opportunity in the marketplace and where investors and LPs are, are looking to invest. The sustainable investing platform is Apollo's integrated multi-asset approach to financing and investing in energy transition and decarbonization. The goal of the platform is really to bring together all the best ideas from various asset classes and coordinate across the company. Apollo really aims to be the leading capital provider to the energy transition, and we want to be able to provide a one-stop shop to companies, communities globally that are looking to achieve their climate commitments. 
We expect to be able to deploy 50 billion in clean energy and climate capital over the next five years and see the opportunity to deploy more than 100 billion by 2030. We've also got some great people inside the firm that are leading this effort. Uh, Olivia Wassenaar, head of sustainable investing, will kind of lead the equity side. Joe Maroney leads the sustainable finance function. And we've got lots of great experience and capabilities to build on from the infrastructure investments, the credit um, and equity investments over the years to bring to this new platform and to bring to our investors and LPs. Yeah, and, and sustainability has clearly moved from being an auxiliary consideration towards being an integral part of the investment decision. So maybe we can drill down a little bit further and maybe you can explain us to us uh, sustainability's place in the overall investment process. How does Apollo layer ESG considerations into its investment process? Yeah, it's it's a complex subject, but we're really trying to make it simple um, for both the company, our investors, and our deal teams. When you think about risk management. This is kind of where sustainability and ESG started. You know, building stronger diligence around environmental risks, social risks, reputational risks in the system so that we're taking a hard look at our investments before they come into Apollo. Building scoring systems, building rigor. These are the things we've been doing for many years. But what we're trying to do now is add additional expertise, both from a talent perspective but also from a structure perspective. We've been changing the way we've been doing diligence within credit and within equity. Car- Carletta Uten is a new hire within the private equity group and is bringing, again, more rigor into how we're taking a look at some of the equity investments. Michael Kashani is building a different level and platform for doing due diligence in the credit um, part of the portfolio. And we're taking a look at some third-party examples, such as the Sustainable Accounting Standards Board, that has sector-based specific criteria around ESG and sustainability so that we can layer on literally just a more sophisticated and robust structure around diligence. So bringing in sector weightings, taking a look at you know high, medium, and low impact sectors and companies changes the way we do due diligence. And it also helps us get a better handle on not only risk management, but mitigation and opportunity identification. So layering these in, bringing our deal teams up to speed, giving them all the tools and the resources they need is a way it's starting to show up in the diligence space. We're also then building new engagement models, even on the credit side, but really robust on the equity side so that we can bring more solutions and tools to our portco companies and to the companies we engage with on the credit side, just to kind of help them move along on their own sustainability journey and bring more value to them, to Apollo, and to our investors. So you're saying it's not only in energy or in small segments of the economy, it really is across uh, all types of companies, or, or where do you see opportunities to invest? What types of companies are you looking at at the moment? I really do see the, the sustainability ESG opportunities across literally every sector. So it's not just the sector, it's also the risk and reward spectrum. This, the way we're trying to approach this is a very Apollo-like, fully integrated, multi-asset, and, and leveraging the expertise across um, our teams. Over the last five years alone, we've already deployed 19 billion in climate, sustainable business, energy transition investments. Um, investments like FlexGen, which is a battery storage um, provider on the equity side, 
or a new fortress, which brings lower carbon LNG on the credit side. So thinking about this across the board from energy, renewable, more sustainable businesses, circular economy type opportunities, but literally from where I sit, every single sector, every single company, there's opportunity. We know some of these commitments that companies have made in the marketplace around net zero and 100% renewable energy are going to take trillions of dollars in investment. And we see that as an opportunity for us. We know our expertise can help us lean into this. And by formalizing some of the strategy, we know we're going to see opportunities across every single platform, impact, infrastructure, natural resources, real estate, credit, and private equity. And we want to be able to take that effort, build it into investments to deliver attractive, diversified returns to all of our investors. Um, We think this really can be a once-in-a-generation opportunity. And what about the new commitments and pledges from the asset management industry? What are your thoughts on that? Does Apollo have any plans to take new targets? Yeah, it's an interesting topic, and it's gotten more and more complex as the weeks have gone on, even since I've been here, Torsten. Um, As you know, or you may have seen, we've taken a new carbon commitment in our next flagship fund, next flagship opportunity to reduce carbon emissions 15% in the median across that portfolio. We've been looking at commitments like debt zero and thinking about how that could play out at Apollo broadly or what it might look like in one of our portfolios or investments. It's been a challenge to think how this fits in an investment portfolio as complex at Apollo, but we're applying all of the principles across the board from goal setting, reporting, and achievement of real economy emissions. We're going to continue to evaluate some of these commitments. We've recently signed up to the Data Convergence Project um, with our peers in, in the alternative asset management sector to help drive some synergy for our investors and LPs in terms of data and reporting. But we want people to judge Apollo by our actions. We want to deliver real returns. We want to deliver real decarbonization. We want to reduce the footprint in our portfolios and report that data publicly. And we're going to continue to evaluate the way some of these commitments are playing out in the marketplace. But in the meantime, we're going to see how this works from an action perspective and a results perspective. And we'd ask everybody to really focus and judge us by our action and our results. Well, and in line with these new commitments and pledges, uh, the SEC is putting their attention towards new proposed disclosure mandates. If those mandates are enforced, what would disclosure mandates mean for the industry and for firms like Apollo? This is a really interesting topic. And and as as you know, it literally popped up a couple weeks ago in the latest proposal from the SEC. But people like me have been watching this for decades. Apollo has been a leader in collecting, disclosing, communicating ESG data to our LPs and investors and, and publicly through our ESG reports. The nice thing about this is we're well prepared in terms of our existing practices and our existing data collection for where the regulatory environment is going. But to kind of simplify what these proposals are outlining, it's basically declaring that climate emissions from purchasing energy off the grid or you know using and burning fuel are now material and should be disclosed. That's what the SEC is proposing. The other thing they propose is that something called scope three climate emissions, which are carbon emissions related to your supply chain, your customer's use of a product or services, 
very complex subject in terms of getting your hands around as any company, let alone a company like Apollo. I think this is what's going to be challenging in the regulatory environment for the SEC and, and for many companies. We've been reporting scope three, scope one and two. We have some work to do to make sure that we continue to advance the quality and accuracy of our data as we have for many years. But I have a feeling we're going to see some challenges to these SEC proposals because not every company is as far along as Apollo. Um, and this sector is probably one of the most complex when it comes down to the, the carbon footprint of the range of investments we own and uh, manage. And another dimension that we haven't talked about is, of course, uh, board composition. Uh, Apollo took the lead in monitoring board composition as a proxy for portfolio companies, as well as an investment manager's ESG-related thinking. Uh, can you update us on the state of boards in our portfolio companies, as well as at Apollo itself? Sure. As you, you know, or some of you may not know, we took a goal to bring 30% gender diversity to the controlled companies in our equity portfolio. So the goal we took a little while ago, we actually achieved that, surpassed that goal uh, June of last year, 2021. Great success. It's something we'll have to continue to monitor and engage our companies on because as they add board members or board members retire, we want to make sure we, we keep that 30% gender diversity goal. Apollo, too, at our board, we've continued to improve our governance structure in terms of bringing on independent directors. We've recently set up a sustainability and corporate responsibility subcommittee of the Apollo Board of Directors. So not only are we seeing more diversity at Apollo's board, at our Portco companies, but we're seeing just improved governance across the board. And it's, it's really, I think, playing out in terms of the quality of the management, the, the, the quality we can bring in terms of how these companies are operating. And the public looks to that as well. I think it's the, the Apollo company, the Apollo board with this one share, one vote, outside independent directors, good sets of diversity. It, it really sends a message to the market um, in terms of the maturity of Apollo's business model. And if we zoom out a little bit, um, I mean, People talk of sustainability across several different dimensions, uh, sustainability of a company's operations, the sustainability of an industry of the overall economy, the sustainability of capitalism, the sustainability of a portfolio, sustainability of the planet, sustainability of human life. If you go down all those roads at once, there might, of course, be a risk that you could quickly lose sight of the actual investment opportunity. So how in your daily work do you balance sustainability considerations with investment opportunities? Yeah, as you're reading through that list, Torsten, it, it could sound like you have to boil the ocean to take care of sustainability and ESG. And, and that's not a good strategy for any company. I think at Apollo, we need to focus on who we are as a company, what we bring, um, what, what we are, the service, the, the investment, the returns. That's who we are. Right. So we think about sustainability and ESG from an investment perspective. We want to make sure that we're focused on managing risk, finding opportunity, unlocking the value that sustainability and ESG brings when we put it in place in a strategic way. We also want to tap into the things that we've already invested in, you know, our people, engagement in the community, expanding opportunities, the impact um, platform the new sustainable investing platform. There are things that we know that we're strong in. We know that the areas that Apollo has the strongest hand to play. And we also know where we can have the biggest impact 
for our investors. So we need to be focused. Um, we need to find a way to bring this to life in a simple way inside the company that also delivers the most impact. But we get asked to do a lot. All of us on my team, um, the, the new talent that we're bringing in, and our job is really to help the company stay focused so that we're delivering the right returns for our investors, LPs, and share owners, but also delivering the right impact to society. And staying focused is going to help us have that most impact. Yeah, and on a similar note, how does a firm like Apollo balance the sustainability priorities of different generations of investment professionals? I mean, clearly, sustainability seems more important to younger generations than it did to older ones. But do we risk putting the cart before the horse if we put too much focus on companies meeting sustainability criteria versus more straightforward concerns regarding the investment opportunity? I think one way to to get to this point is thinking about what we actually mean when we say sustainability, right? I do agree that different investors have different priorities. They have different time horizons. I think that the expansion of capital, the democratization of capital um, is going to be driving a different agenda as, as money moves from, you know, high net worth companies and families to younger generations. They, the expectations are going to change. But I think we have to think about them in a way they change investment decisions, criteria. And one of the things that we're doing already at Apollo is bringing opportunity across all of those asset classes that we talked about and all of those kind of risk and reward profiles. I think that it's not so much of putting the, the cart before the horse. It's focusing on what our investors are looking for, what's happening in the market that we actually have the intelligence, the expertise to to make a move on in a way that delivers those returns. And we clearly have expertise in, you know, where we're strong in infrastructure, equity, and credit vehicles. These are the things that I think that we can actually help our investors understand what sustainability means for them, what kind of impact we can create in society from a, a human capital or a natural capital perspective, and where we can help companies be more sustainable in their business models. It could be as simple as energy, water, and waste, but I think we're going to see more and more social and human capital impacts that we're helping companies be better companies so they can deliver better environmental performance, but also better social performance. And I think it's translating that to our investors that will help make this a little bit simpler going forward. Oh, that makes complete sense. Well, if you think about sustainable investing from a broader perspective, I mean, a lot of people view sustainable investing in terms of the negative, that which you should not invest in. At the same time, Apollo's heritage in carbon economy, natural resources, has it invested in a lot of industries and companies that an orthodox ESG strategy might avoid. So how do you think about this balance between what should we be investing in and what you would not be investing in from a, in particular, from a sustainability perspective, when you look at the, the energy sector and, and more broadly in, in the areas that have gotten more attention historically? Yeah, I think that there's, yeah, there's a group of investors that have viewed um, sustainable investing as a, a screening exercise, right? So where they would basically screen out certain kinds of sectors or investments. That's not Apollo's approach. And I'm not a big fan of that personally. Um, we're not trying to divest from certain categories, certain sectors, certain companies. We're thinking about this in a transition mindset. You know, where is there opportunity in the transition? Energy transition, climate transition, physical and transition risks. 
this is going to be a bumpy transition. Um, there, we can see it playing out. Um, it, it moves at it fits and starts. Um, geopolitical implications uh, play out as well. And even though we might want this transition to happen overnight, that's not realistic. We're going to be able to see these opportunities. Apollo thrives in this complexity. And we're going to find opportunities in different sectors, in different transition points, within different companies, in different vehicles. And we're not going to exclude. We're, we're, we're never going to take the approach that we're not going to look at an investment. We will look at every investment. There may be categories that we generally won't invest in, but we're going to take a hard look at all of them. And we especially want to think about places where Apollo's involvement, Apollo's investment can make that transition accelerate, where we can accelerate a movement to decarbonization. We can accelerate carbon reduction. And this is where we're going to see some opportunities, perhaps in what we might call brown to green, where we you know, move a, a higher impact company or sector to a lower impact company or sector or investment. And so instead of thinking about this as what we won't invest in, we're going to be thinking about is what we can invest in to accelerate this transition. So are you saying there's a disconnect between the media-driven belief of the state of those transitions relative to the actual one? I think there's a disconnect in some places. There's, you know, you could take a look at EVs, for example, electric vehicles, right? I mean, we've been talking about them, the media's been talking about them for decades. But clearly within the last couple of years, we've reached a tipping point. You know, automotive companies have decided to take their investment in internal combustion engines, remove it, and put it into electric vehicle platforms. This has been something that took decades, on and off, on and off, but now it's moved. We're going to be looking for some of those signals going forward, staying smart, staying plugged into the industry, staying plugged into technology. I think we have to watch what we see in the media as, uh, you know, with a little bit of a grain of salt, but... We can't believe everything we read. It's not going to happen overnight in many of these areas. But I think the long-term signals are there. And that's where we kind of can get beneath, you know, the details, get under behind the curtain and take a look at where the real trends are and where we can invest for the future. Well, let's let's also talk about uh, the quantification and measurement of things in ESG. Because, of course, most investors, well, probably most people actually, believe that an ESG strategy is something that can and should be analyzed via measurement. But a measurement-only approach must also risk being trapped in a superficial attributes. How do we balance the desire to measure with the risk that we might not capture the essence of a particular issue? Yeah, I'm, I have to admit, I'm a, I'm a fan of measurement. I, I strive to be able to measure both the risk reduction that we're looking for, as well as the opportunity. It's true today, there are a lot of things that are, are, are hard to measure in the sustainability space. And some of the investments we want to make from a ideological perspective to move the needle may not come down to a, a dollar amount, but I'm going to be striving, and I know my team is striving, to not only measure but to improve measurements year in, year out, to improve the data and the kind of results that we could share with investors and LPs. You know, we get asked all the time from our investors and LPs to help them understand what we're seeing and how we're investing and, and how we're assessing improvement in sustainability and ESG. And we're not only going to be driving those improvements at Apollo, we're, we've, we've joined some memberships within the sector. We want to be able to help the whole sector get better at this, where we can measure, report, communicate in more and more consistent ways. There's always going to be 
some essence, as you mentioned, of a particular issue that we can't measure. But my goal is over time to measure as much as we can in accurate, complete, you know, full ways. And over time, are the goals also the same and consistent? I mean, one could make the argument that sustainability is not a particular investment expertise, but a growing and necessary component of every particular investment expertise. And yet, one person's sustainability priorities could easily differ from another's. How does a firm like Apollo manage to enforce or encourage any kind of consistency to its sustainability philosophy when priorities can and do differ for reasons of perspective? Yeah, this is a really great question. I think that, number one, the hypothesis of the question, the premise is right, right? I think what you've outlined is a, definitely a challenge. And that's one of the reasons we're trying to bring in a new layer of process, a new layer of robustness that takes some of the subjectivity out, right? We want to be able to bring in frameworks about taking a look at companies and sectors in a consistent way, thinking about the kinds of risks and opportunities within these companies and sectors that are consistent within those sectors so that we can apply, you know, a screen, an evaluation, a definition of risk and opportunity that is consistent, for example, for utilities or for mobility or for technology or for services so that we're driving consistent approaches to quantifying and measuring that risk. There's going to be individuals, different kinds of firms, the media, you know, external voices that make that complicated or try to make it more complicated. But Apollo, we need to be diligent. We need to be focused. And we're going to be driving process. We're not going to take away the capabilities and the skills of our deal teams and analysts, but we're going to give them the tools that help them drive structure into their risk assessment and risk analysis. I also believe it's going to turn into value on the other side of the investment in terms of unlocking or creating value within our companies and investments. But there's no doubt about it. It's complicated, but we want to be able to take the subjectivity as much as we can out of the evaluation process. So I also wanted to ask you about what sustainability means and what it has meant here during the pandemic. I mean, COVID focused us on a host of issues that could fall under the banner of sustainability, everything from commuting, digitization, carbon footprints, the need for so much movement of people in an economy, the role of government in a healthcare crisis, corporate response to healthcare issues, as well as our own health. Where have COVID-derived sustainability considerations shown up in Apollo's investment process uh, and or opportunities here over the last 24 months? Yeah, it's been amazing to see across the whole marketplace, right? So, so as you say, I mean, I, I like to describe the the COVID situation of the pandemic is almost like, you know, the tide going out and, and seeing things that were just under the surface, right? In terms of health and safety, well-being, human capital, trust, you know, trust in going back to retail establishments, um, trust in coming back to the office and how companies are dealing with these things. This has been playing out. I don't view it as kind of a separate standalone, you know, set of strategies. It's our intelligent people looking at the way the pandemic and COVID has opened up new risks, but also new opportunities. I mean, one of the investments that we have in our impact platform is around, you know, nursing and nursing staffing and being able to get that talent where we need it. It was a great concept that was always in the marketplace but it really showed its value 
during the pandemic. And these are the kinds of things I've seen lots of opportunities in, you know, buildings, restaurants, retail establishments, you know, in terms of bringing people back to that marketplace, making people feel safe. There's data investments, there's human capital investments, there's a whole new elevation of core health and safety and wellness that are now on board agendas and are in business strategies. And as you mentioned, you know, this plays out in travel, this plays out in retail, this plays out in transportation. Pretty much every sector was impacted and remains to be impacted. The supply chain is impacted through COVID. These are all investment opportunities when they're studied in the right way. There are also risks and challenges that need to be mitigated and evaluated up front. I think COVID changed the way investments are evaluated across the board, and that change will probably stick for a very long time, if not forever. Well, and outside the investment opportunities, if we think about COVID more broadly, how has that impacted sustainability from a social and a human capital perspective? Yeah, I think that it's been an eye-opening opportunity for most sustainability professionals. A, a lot of the sustainability professionals come to the profession from an environmental perspective. But there's a core set, myself included, who started our careers in the health and safety, protecting employee health and safety, protecting community health and safety. It's almost been you know, a reawakening of this profession the ability to bring a new set of expertise to our companies, to our investments around human capital. You know, how are we investing in the people, in our talent? How are we recruiting? How are we training? How are we developing them? We're building tools inside Apollo to do this for our own employees. It's happening every day inside of Apollo, but it's also a core strategy in our private equity operations as well through you know, Apollo Portfolio Performance Solutions or apps, they are focused on health, wellness, well-being, safety. Not that they weren't focused on it before, but I think the, you know, the, the, the human capital perspective that has come to the top in terms of priorities through the pandemic has shined a light on new ways to bring value um, to not only the companies, but to all of their employees and a lot of the ways that those companies interact with their communities as well. Well, and, and regardless of what investment professionals may or may not believe, a lot of investors have clearly decided that they want sustainability embedded in the core of an investment strategy. So what are Apollo's investors telling its investment professionals in this regard? I think this is kind of a great way to start wrapping up. I, I think that the, you know we've spoken a lot today about sustainability, ESG, you know, the human capital perspective, but I don't view them as separate. I view them as you know, tools to drive better investment strategies, tools to deliver better companies, to build better businesses. And our investors are seeing the same thing and they're challenging us to continue to instill that in our investment criteria, to instill it in the companies uh, that we own in the portfolios. And as you note in the question, thinking about this is just how we do business, right? How we lean into sustainability to drive Apollo's business strategy, how it's factored in over time in every single investment due diligence process we have, how it's factored in every engagement, how it's included in all of our communications and reporting. We took a look back last year in 2021 of due diligence questionnaires, engagements with our investors and LPs, 
literally the number of times we were asked about sustainability and ESG continue to go up as we move into 2022. This is a trend that is not only growing, it's getting more sophisticated and it's getting more integrated. And it's great to see. And I think over time, it's just going to be the way every company has to do business. Hey, wow. I mean, one question for you, Torsen, is you study economic data. I take a look at the, you know, the, re- the reports and the conversations you have almost on a daily basis. I'm curious what you're seeing today in some of that economic data that might look like an opportunity or an accelerant to a more sustainable economy. And, you know, while I'd rather not perhaps hear it, also fair to ask you what you might see as an obstacle. Yeah, so I think that the energy transition is very, very important from a macroeconomic perspective. If you think about it, a a very important factor of production and a very important area where uh, we have seen significant underinvestment is indeed in renewable energy. And if the energy transition is now happening faster, partly because of COVID, partly because of the increase in energy prices or oil prices that we've seen more recently, I think that that could be a very significant game changer for not only the U.S. economy, but for the global economy over the coming five, 10 years. Uh, Most importantly, if we built really a a, a capital stock of production capacity that is more efficient, and in particular, not only energy efficient, but also more efficient from a productivity perspective, that we simply become more productive in the global economy. And on, on top of that, if we do that in a way where there's less pollution, there's more use of renewable energy, then I do think that that could have a very significant and profound impact on the potential growth rate, in particular in the US and Europe, but also in many emerging markets uh, that also are going through the same transition. So I think that this is very important from a macroeconomic perspective, and this is a very important theme for investors around the world, including in my conversations when we talk about, of course, we discuss a lot what's happening with inflation, unemployment in the short term. But when we talk about the longer term, this always comes up as the number one issue where there's just a wide range of opportunities with anyone who has a horizon that's over the next three to five years. So this is certainly something that continues to be very, very important from a broader macroeconomic perspective. And I should also note that the Federal Reserve is very focused on climate change. The ECB in Frankfurt is also very focused on climate change. There's a lot of attention, not only in fiscal policy and traditional policy making on this topic, but also in monetary policy and therefore also more broadly in financial markets. Yeah, it's a great point. I, I love to think about this, these concepts as you know, kind of drivers of innovation, right? Where not so much as penalties of what we can't do, but drivers of innovation and change in a positive way and attracting investment, um, I think is the right way to think about it. Thanks, Doris. Well, and as, as we can quickly agree, I mean, the world is complicated uh, and it is important to focus on the themes and the trends and the mega trends that uh, one thinks are important. So from that perspective, it is it is never easy in financial markets. So uh, it, of course, makes complete sense that adding sustainability as a layer in the investment process is also going to have some complexities. But uh, as you have outlined uh, so clearly here today, it is also something that's doable and something, of course, uh, that, that we're working hard on here at Apollo. Okay, well, with that, Dave, thanks so much. I think we've touched uh, on a number of great points. Uh, why don't we close it out here? And Dave, I I really appreciate uh, you taking the time. I know how busy you are. So thank you so much for joining me today. 
And thank you as always to our listeners for tuning in. Thanks for having me, Torsten. Appreciate it. Apollo Global Management Incorporated, together with its subsidiaries, Apollo, makes no representation or warranty expressed or implied with respect to the accuracy, reasonableness, or completeness of any of the statements made during this podcast, including, but not limited to, statements obtained from third parties. Opinions, estimates, and projections constitute the current judgment of the speaker as of the date indicated. They do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Apollo and are subject to change at any time without notice. Apollo does not have any responsibility to update this podcast to account for such changes. There can be no assurance that any trends discussed during this podcast will continue. Statements made throughout this podcast are not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for accounting, legal, or tax advice and do not constitute an investment recommendation or investment advice. Investors should make an independent investigation of the information discussed during this podcast, including consulting their tax, legal, accounting, or other advisors about such information. Apollo does not act for you and is not responsible for providing you with the protections afforded to its clients. This podcast does not constitute an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy any security, product, or service, including interest in any investment product or fund or account managed or advised by Apollo. Certain statements made throughout this podcast may be forward-looking in nature due to various risks and uncertainties Actual events or results may differ materially from those reflected or contemplated in such forward-looking information. As such, undue reliance should not be placed on such statements. Forward-looking statements may be identified by the use of terminology including, but not limited to, may, will, should, expect, anticipate, target, project, estimate, intend, continue, or believe, or the negatives thereof, or other variations thereon, or comparable terminology.